This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Just like that, second hour is here. Thursday edition, Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Coming up in 15 minutes, Jordan Schultz will join us. We will get everything uh, NFL-related from a coaching search news perspective straight ahead, plus Ryan Leaf later this hour. Uh, Chad, uh, I wonder if Ryan, who was formerly with the ESPN, um, is a part of the Emmy Award winning. Oh, look, before we get to that, Hutton, I, I do have to point one thing out. Go ahead. And we're going to get into this story also, but I know you'll, you'll appreciate this. Okay. Not as much as I do because, quite frankly, I enjoy food way more than Hutton does. <laughs> Uh, this is a post that just came across from Outkick, which is actually very, very funny. Okay. Below are the top 10 states in order of the least healthiest states in the country. And it's a chart that shows how the SEC is dominant in the least healthiest oh, states. No doubt. No surprise, right? West Virginia, the least healthiest state. Then you've got Mississippi at yep. 49, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You've got Tennessee. At 48 with Vanderbilt and Tennessee, then Arkansas, Arkansas, Kentucky with UK, Alabama has Auburn and Alabama, then Louisiana with LSU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Sooners starting next year, then Ohio and Indiana. Boomer. At uh, 41 and 40 on the list. All this tells me is that everyone else in America has a terrible culinary scene and that we have the best culinary scene in the United States of America, right here in the South, where we're located in Nashville, Tennessee. We have the best food. That's all this tells me. That's really the only thing. Best football, uh, best-looking women, yep. and the best, fattiest food in the country, in the least healthiest state. Best football. So I, for one, I, I applaud we us can, uh, You can have the, the, South. You know, the, gallon, the gallon jug of... You know, Coca-Cola, if you want, at Whatever. your local fast food restaurant. Whatever you want to do. So you're saying we our... We have no stipulation on sizes of soda, right, on yeah. fat content, on brisket. We have no limitations yeah. on anything the, the here of, in the South. The amount of uh, you know ketchup on a hot dog. The other thing we have no limitations on, kicking your ass in football. <laughs> There's no limitations on that either. Um, I came here to chew some bubble gum and whip some ass, and I'm fresh out of bubble gum. That's everyone is, from the South. Isn't it interesting? Though, and like, also eat a lot of fattening food. Um, I don't take this as an insult at all. I, I think it's a, a compliment. Also, uh, it's interesting to me, Chad. Shock myself. Yeah, I've heard that. You okay? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. That didn't really shock myself. It just sounded like it. The, uh, you, know, you mentioned the culinary. Like My grandparents, they, the side of my family on my mom's side lived to be 95 to 100 years old. Because they did nothing but just eat things that they grew on or raised on the farm, you know, yeah. for generations. And now the the same, you know, group is turned to, you know, fried foods. There's something, there's certainly something about. Or anything else what, that's, that's that produced. Additives that we're putting into our food yes. and different things because, um, well, there's a lot like, like back pain. Back pain didn't exist 150 years ago. It's well, a, it's I'm a sure new it, thing. I'm sure it like did for those that worked on the, you know. I, I mean, maybe, but like issues, like there's a lot of issues that have just come about oh, in the last yeah. 50 years. Yeah. And I think the food has something to do with it. I mean, what did you do if someone had like, uh, if someone had like Alzheimer's or, you know, dementia? Did they just think they were crazy or possessed? Uh, just before it was determined that that's what they threw had. Threw them in an outhouse and let them hang out in there. Yeah. Oh, you know, grandma's gone crazy. Well, I, I have an, like, a good example. There's my uncle. This is just one generation removed from me in my family. Pretty sure he's he's dead now. But pretty sure he was. <laughs> I didn't mean to, didn't mean to sound sure. so crass. Pretty sure. Pretty sure that no, I know he's dead. I'm pretty sure that he was autistic. That there was you know something there that was never diagnosed. I think right. he just went through school, and you know it's just oh he's different. Right. My yeah. my grandparents didn't even think to like go get him looked at. Right. And I don't know now that there was a medical professional that. that would specialize in that for kids. And now, you right. know, uh, kids can go get Ritalin prescribed to them like that, whatever yeah. they want. But my uncle, I think, just went through life with uh, some sort of mental issue that was never diagnosed. Six, the Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Just want to take a little detour there. On no, the show. it's fine. It's good. Um, 
So Jordan Schultz joins us uh, in about 10 minutes or so. Um, Chad, what? so ESPN, when they're filling out their, their Emmy uh, nominations where they can look into award, award season, they're putting a different name on the production elements of College Game Day? Like they're using hosts as like a fake alias? Like, like almost like what we saw from AI and what certain certain uh, businesses uh, or uh, news outlets were doing in the, the paper and, and website industry to, to claim that uh, like fake not, bios? Not quite. So what they were doing... Changing names, though. This is a story. They, were, they weren't changing. They were making up names. So Katie right. Strange, let's back it up a little bit. Katie Strang has the story at The Athletic. She did some good reporting here and got some people on the record and some anonymous sourcing with this. Shelly Smith, who was a reporter at ESPN, was one that was on the record that got presented with one of these fake Emmy Awards. So what ESPN was doing was there were, uh, there were not categories where host or different on-air talent could even get an Emmy, and they would make up names to up their chances of people that were associate producers of College Game Day. College Game Day is the show mentioned the most. They made up like Lee Clark instead of Lee Corso, Kent Henry instead of Kirk Herbstreet, um, Derek Howard instead of Desmond Howard. They made up names. Kirk looks like a Kent. He does. He definitely looks like very Kent-like. Uh, Sam Ponder was Steve Ponder. Won one of these, not for College Game Day, but for a, a different show. So they were making up names, and somehow these people were then winning Emmys, and they were taking the trophy and putting a new name on it to present to the talent to make them talk about winning Emmys. So like a segment or, or an element of the show, all the producers would get said Emmy Most, from right. as being an associate producer of that show. But instead, they changed it to say on-air host. So they were winning Emmys that didn't even exist. And there's no knowledge that the on-air talent knew anything about this scheme. They were just mailed an Emmy award or told by their bosses that, hey, congrats, you won an Emmy. This is a crazy story to go to these links to do that. I'll also say, man, it must be nice to work for College Game Day and get that level of support from your bosses. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. They are making up fake people to win you awards to fabricate it, to show that you won an award. I haven't won anything, anything in my life, first off. And I don't think I've ever applied to win any awards. I think, not just because I haven't won them, I think most of these awards are stupid. There are people that I see win awards, and I'm thinking, I haven't, I can't remember or tell you one interesting thing that person has written in the past five years, much less the last year. A lot of these awards, it's political, it's whoever applies for them, it's whoever petitions for the most votes or any of that stuff. This is next level by ESPN. To make up fake names in order to make sure that their on-air host on College Game Day and other shows can present an Emmy Award is pretty crazy. But then they, the those that were vetting this eventually got around to figuring it out and asked ESPN to verify no, they, these they people they investigated in what, 2022? What happened was, whoever the association is, I forget it's a, uh, it, I forget the name of the association, but whoever hands out these, these television Emmys, they yeah. started investigating their own procedures. The National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. There you go. The NADA or whatever it is. They decided to get with ESPN and ask for verification of certain people that had won awards, and then ESPN just fessed up. And there are, uh, there are similar aspects, like the, the local, the, there are local Emmy awards, like regional Emmys. Yes, but for, ESPN for just had coverage. to fess up right. at that point and say what they had done. And there are two people, I think it's Lee Fitting. Both of them, I, I, I believe, are gone now. They either retired or left ESPN in the last year. But Lee Fitting was a name I remember, and one other that um, they are no longer eligible to be associated with these Emmy Awards ever again, that they pinpointed them so they for making to, the decision to try to get... Like Linda, Linda Cohn, who posted on uh, Instagram, does, does she have to turn this back in the way Reggie Bush did? Linda Cohn posted... This <laughs> on is the the, maybe the funniest part of the whole story. Linda Cohn says, my four ladies, and it's the Emmy Awards that she won. There's one four. that's labeled Fab Four, that's it. Uh, one that's labeled 2023. She was eligible for an Emmy in 2023 with a new category. 
There's other ones from 1992 on, three of them, that she was not even eligible for an Emmy, that ESPN presented her with an Emmy. Anyways. Crazy. But then, but, Again. But then they put their own... I, I, I think it's hilarious, though. It. Like, think about Hutton. Any, I would never ask for this, first off. This is totally tongue-in-cheek from anyone that I've ever so, worked with or your bosses. But think about your bosses... Well, so nominating you to just to try to get you an award. They make up fake names, phony names. Then they re-engrave the award to present you with an award to give you an Emmy. So what That's they, what ESPN was doing for their on-air talent. But the talent wouldn't know until the statue showed up, until the, the, until were, the, Olympia, the award showed up. Because there were cases, Shelly Smith said. Because I, ESPN has to pay per entry. If, if you have 20 producers and you have 27 names, you're paying 27 fees there's an individual fee right as i understand this that's how it is on the regional level for news um and then they just take those 27 and then engrave seven of them with the real names that's so you really clearly linda cone's posting this and doesn't know no i I don't think any of the talent knew (laughs) again that that's kirk doesn't know his name that's the point of the that's the point of the whole exercise is the talent didn't know their bosses they uh they devised an elaborate scheme to make up names and hutton they took, they sent it back to Kent Howard or whatever, and they right. took that off and re-engraved it Kirk Herbstreet and sent him an Emmy. Why not just what? make up it? Just go ahead and make a trophy and give them a trophy if that's what you want to do. Well, if you're you would, going to that level, because you get the real Emmy award, though. I would. I mean, that that's what. I mean, Kirk would know that aspect. He wouldn't know that. Well, it's I changed. would feel dumb if I'm those. It's just the if I'm the people that are on the show, I feel pretty stupid about this now if I ever bragged about winning an Emmy. And, but it's not their fault. But the engraving it's is ESPN's on like the small fault. black uh, cover thing, right? Like where you could take that and uh, take it off. It's not actually on the, the Emmy. I, again, I think we're missing the biggest gist of this. Imagine anywhere you work out there, viewer, if you're I, watching, that your bosses thought so highly of your ego or you getting what you wanted that they put in fake names to win awards and then change the engraving to hand you that award to show that you I, could have the award. That is I amazing think, support. I, it is. that the budget that's incredible. I think someone lost their job recently because of the Emmy Awards that were uh, the submissions chat uh, on the layoffs. I, I think there would be a lot of outlets that would do this. I do. If you have the budget to do, have all, pay all the entry fees. I think there are. I, I guess. I, I think it's pretty, think about all the, pretty wild. Think about the egos in news and sports, though. Well, and also when not, you, it, it's a big, when you're applying for a job, you can put seven time Emmy award winner or whatever. Right, I, mean, well, yeah. I guess that helps you, but that would help a producer too. It would help the outlet as well. Emmy award winning college game day. Crazy. When really it's just, you know, comes down to the ratings aspect of it. Right. You would think, but again, I, I just, to go to these links is, is nuts. Is uh, Jordan coming up? We don't have him. Okay. I can't get, so Jordan Schultz is about to join us. Then we have Ryan Leaf coming up as well. Um, so Aaron Rodgers is back on Pat McAfee today. And this is a day after McAfee said that he's not going to come on for the rest of season four, the rest of this football season, um, because McAfee didn't want to put up with all the, the crap behind the scenes. You know, the having to probably a number of meetings, uh, the stress that, that goes on behind the scenes, having to do this because he's in charge of all of his content, whatever he wants to do, all guests as well, uh, based on his contract. Um, and he clarified on a social media post last night that, and it's something we brought up on the show. Yes, he's going to be on the show again. He's just not going to do it through football season on the weekly basis, which would typically end in past seasons, either right before or right after the Super Bowl, right before Aaron Rodgers goes to his darkness retreat the last two years. It's typically when it ends. Um, but he's back on today because he's speaking on big events. Big events such as Belichick and Saban no longer with the Patriots and the Crimson Tide. And it was brief. He gave his perspective on it. And McAfee had him on to discuss exactly that. And it ties back in, Chad, to post game with the Jets and Patriots, the final game for Belichick as a Patriots head coach where they're speaking after the game. Yeah, it's um, I'm getting a little tired of McAfee acting like he doesn't like a lot of this attention. 
It's getting a little old uh, every day, oh. the rigmarole of, man, oh, I heard from so many of you mad that saying we're being puppeteered by ESPN because, we, you know, the season ended with Aaron Rodgers. That's not true at all. In fact, he's going to join us today to talk about Bill Belichick. It's like all this stuff is good for McAfee. Now, let's not act like it's not. And Rodgers. That people have a response to it. Absolutely, it's good. It's also a million dollars that he makes for these appearances. So all of that's good for him, too. I, I just – I'm getting a little tired of the every day, the song and dance of, man, I'm really, uh, all you guys are mad, and we just want to sit here and have fun and not talk about controversy. Well, I'm thinking, well, at some point, you are controversy when you've involved yourself in four or five controversies, whether it be your guest or you teeing off on Norby Williamson, your boss. Uh, you're sort of inviting this, this stuff on, and now because you're mad that people say that ESPN's controlling you because you ended a couple weeks early with Aaron Rodgers – the response is, we're going to show you by putting Aaron Rodgers on the next day to talk about this. That's what I think this was. Yeah. I think it was just a play to say, no, we're not controlled by anyone, and ESPN does not tell us when or when to not have Aaron Rodgers on. In fact, he's going to join us today. Also, this did not happen on ESPN. ESPN took off the McAfee show today to roll with Bill Belichick, press conference, and, and sports center. Uh, a coverage well, of Bill Belichick and not McAfee on ESPN, but it took place on McAfee's show. Yes, and uh, and and it would stream live on YouTube through his show. But that, that's what he could have done had ESPN stepped in and said, "We don't want Rodgers on." And they still they still. Yeah, have I'm, him I'm on. just clarifying. Know, yeah. Today's hit alone did not actually air on ESPN. It was just on his YouTube stream that he owns. Uh, <laughs> McAfee announced uh, Rodgers on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the last human Bill Belichick talked to on the field as a New England Patriots head coach. It's a good intro. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I like Pat McAfee. I just think it's going to get old if well, you're, you're outraged by people being outraged okay, over well, and over again. What also again. is going to get old is just uh, other outlets covering what Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's what I'm saying. What we're they, doing right now on only show. benefits him. So all this just benefits yeah. him. Let's but, not act like that, it's not a good thing And for that's you. also – but so, so just a layer deeper – I think that's also why ESPN stuck by what they said they would do whenever they hired him. Um, I thought it was very unusual that we saw Rodgers on a week after they issued the apology that they did for what uh, Jimmy Kimmel and everything else that took place for a, a guy that works for the company that makes $20 million instead of $1 million. Um, and also McAfee doubling down. That, that's something we would not see typically from ESPN. It would be, we're keeping this behind closed doors, and it would be behind closed doors. And that, that to me, is the storyline now. Not, not what everyone is. I mean, whatever. You know, the Kimmel and, and Rogers dispute. They didn't even bring that up today. Um, I guess that's, that's part of it here. It's not going to be pushed forward. That, that storyline and that controversy only has fuel if McAfee chooses to make it fuel. Give it fuel. Yeah, and it, it's, <clears throat> look, again, when you go on and call your boss what he did <clears throat> by name, People are going to talk about it. Like, I, I just. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't. I, it, that's fine. I, I'm all for that. If that's what you're going for and you want to be honest and all that, great. We applauded it and yeah. talked about it last week. I, I what, just. What? No doubt. I'm getting tired of the coming back the next day on the show and opening every show by saying, man, I can't believe how many of you are mad or how many of you are talking about this. It's well, like you've got to know now. Yeah. This yeah. is where your show is. You're right. And this is going to be the response and the reaction. Mm -hmm. So stop pretending that you're a kid that, you know, stole the candy from the store too too many times, and then the owner kicks you out of the store forever. Yeah, he's more self-aware than what he's acting. Like, right. It's like whenever he took the ESPN partnership. Man, some of you are mad. Oh, why are you some so of mad? you are saying this. Some of you are that. I'm thinking, you know what's going on. All right, like, so if you want to go on your show and combat everyone, all the haters, everyone, great. I think that's good entertainment when you do that. But let's not start everything by acting like, man, I'm surprised that people have an issue over this or people are talking about this. It, you shouldn't be surprised with that anymore. And he's, he's just more self-aware than that. He knows that. Chad, we're about to jump into some NFL coaching discussion from a college football and Bama perspective. Mike Norvell, it appears, is staying at Florida State based on posts that he's made. Uh, same with Dan Lanning, who the reports were he was in Tuscaloosa, and, but he was, he was on his couch. Uh, uh, where now he was watching a movie with his family, with his family. something that was posted though, then deleted, but the report was from 24 seven. So I don't know. Dan but, Lanning's not taking the job. And there was a clip from uh, a local outlet in Oregon from a guy who used to work at, uh, it was a news channel. We used to work in the athletic department in Alabama saying that landing was there. Like the plane was there. 
no, it turns out Lanning's staying where he is. Jordan Schultz is uh, busy, staying busy. He's on his computer. Now he joins us on Hot Mike with Honey Withrow here on the Outkick Network live at outkick.com. Uh, he's been all over all the coaching movement, discussion, firings, potential hirings, and more. Jordan, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Oh, guys, it's my pleasure. How are you? We, we're great. Which coach right now has the most buzz from internal discussion in front offices? Is it Belichick? Is it Vrabel? Is it someone else of who they're after? Okay, I would, I'll give you a two-parter. I think the, the, the most buzz from like the up-and-comers, I think Brian, um, uh, Ben Johnson has okay. really, he's helped himself this year in Detroit a lot. But also, there, Brian Johnson, who I reported earlier today, is going to interview for the Titans head coaching position, the offensive coordinator in Philly. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't as familiar with him, but he's really well-liked. And I kind of surveyed him today in Philly. He's asking around about, you know, what's he been like and, and his, his general philosophy. Everyone really likes him. Um, they, they've had, obviously, injuries this year, and the offense hasn't been as dynamic as it was last year with Shane Steichen uh, as a result. But I, I like I like Brian Johnson. Uh, I would say those two. Um, I think Harbaugh is such a polarizing lightning rod figure. Um, you know, he, he, there's so much to unpack there. He, he wins the national championship. their first since 1997. He, he's also got $125 million extension, 10 years on the table, 15 a pop. At the same time, he was suspended for six games this year. We already know there's a, just a cadre of, of violations from the NCAA, <laughs> excuse me, um, for next year and it's my understanding that he really wants to go back to the pros and he you know then it becomes what's the best fit and i think i've said over the last week or so i think that that it's probably most realistic that it's going to be the chargers or raiders with the chargers probably having a, a slight edge there i think john spanos who was the president of football ops uh and, and with the chargers he he has made it abundantly clear that he does not like this perception that he's not going to spend money. Well, if you want Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to pay him as one of the highest paid coaches in the league, and that's without question. You're also going to potentially have to have him um, bring in his own GM. Maybe that's Ed Dodds, bring in his own staff. There's a lot there. I think Belichick's another one where, you know, how we know he wants to still coach, but what we don't know is how much control he wants, how much autonomy he wants. So it's very early with him, and, and even Harbaugh to an extent. You have to wonder what, uh, what organizations are going to be able to, uh, you know, absorb that type of personality? Is Washington one of those organizations? If we're looking at a possible <laughs> landing spot for, let's say, a Bill Belichick, right? If we're looking for the most likely spot for him to continue coaching, would it be in Washington? I think Belichick, I think Atlanta makes a lot of sense for Belichick because, because uh, I, think, I think the GM there, Terry Fontenot, could be in trouble. I think he's 82 years old, Arthur Blank. He wants a winner. He's, it, it makes sense to really you know, rebuild that program. Washington would certainly make sense uh, for Belichick a, as well. The, my only hesitation there is that, you know, they've obviously under Daniel Snyder for decades, they've been so irrelevant. And they have this new ownership group with Josh Harris, who spent, you know, over $6 billion to buy the team. I would wonder if, would, would Washington, and I don't know this for a fact, but would Washington want, to maybe go a little bit younger, maybe more sustainable, uh, and have kind of the proper uh, a GM, head coach, uh, owner relationship. I think the, the commanders are going to be very deliberate with this. They've essentially narrowed down uh, their GM search to Ian Cunningham, assistant GM with the Bears, and Adam Peters, assistant GM with the Niners. Both have done very well in interviews, and both are really well-liked. You know, you, you you'd have to wonder if, if Peters or Cunningham gets that job, would they really want their first hire to be Bill Belichick? Because there's so much that comes with it. There's a lot of good that comes with it, but it's also a lot to handle. And so um, Washington, to me, makes sense. I think Atlanta actually makes more sense. You know, there seems to be, at least to me, a bit of a disconnect when it comes to Mike Frabel uh, from, from this perspective. I, I hear about how well-respected he is around the league and how sure. he's going to have multiple opportunities to be a head coach. And I try to look at that with the trajectory of the Titans team over the mm -hmm. last year and a half and the fact that the Titans just fired him because yeah. of that trajectory with the team. And it's not often you see a guy with the record that Mike Vrabel's had when you go back to 
right before John Robinson was fired and where they mm-hmm. were in the division and where they are now being that hot of a commodity. Is he that hot of a commodity, Jordan? I, I think uh, it's a fair question. V- Vrabel, he's, he's, he's definitely very well-respected. Uh, is he a hot commodity? Yes, but that's similar in some regards to a Harbaugh. When you're when you're talking about hiring Mike Vrabel, it, it really has to be an organization that's that has that, that that's going to support him the way he needs because he's a he's a he's a an old school guy, um, very um, what's the word I look for? It's I, it's almost his way or the highway in many ways, right? Like that's that's how he's going to coach, and that works, and it's been very successful. Obviously, they went to the playoffs three straight years, went to an AFC title game. He's forty eight. Um, but it has to be the right organization, the right owner. And I think with Rabel, the, the, the players really respect him. He obviously played at a high level. That's why I've talked about New England and why I know there's mutual interest there. I think Gerard Mayo has a great chance as well. He's like their in-house guy that, that's, that they've been grooming for the position. Vrabel has interest throughout the league, and there's going to be teams that want to interview him. But when it comes down to it, I think just very similarly to a Jim Harbaugh, it really has to be the right organization. That's why I mentioned New England, where he already said during his his uh, induction to their Hall of Fame, there's there's really no place like this. He needs to go somewhere that's going to let him be him and not try to micromanage. Finally, Jordan Schultz with us. Is there anything going on with Tomlin and the and the Steelers from Tomlin's perspective? Yeah. And what are the what's the likelihood with a loss? Maybe it doesn't matter. We could see something happen in Dallas or Philly. Okay, so um, let, let me start with Dallas. M- M- McCarthy, I mean, Jerry Jones goes on radio every week there and, and and seemingly every week talks about, you know, McCarthy and what he's meant to the program there. And um, I, I think he's safe. If they were to lose a home game as a two seed in the first round, I think it could get interesting. That would be the word I would use. Okay, Philadelphia is similar. Although Sirianni has the backdrop of going to the Super Bowl last year, I would think that both Sirianni and McCarthy would be safe, barring just an unbelievable first-round collapse where they were utterly embarrassed. Um, And then maybe it would get interesting with one or two of those places. But I still feel like they're okay. You mentioned Tomlin. Tomlin, if he's not the coach of Pittsburgh next year, it'll be on his own volition. I believe he has one more year left on his contract. It's my understanding that, that he wants to continue coaching there. Um, I think an extension will get done in the offseason, but he's just too good of a coach. I mean, you know, I know that they have not been as consistent since Big Ben left, but there's a laundry list of teams that would line up for Mike McCarthy. Oh. I'm sorry, for 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 my for uh Mike Tomlin tomorrow if he wasn't the coach. Oh, yeah. if, if if anything, if he wasn't coaching the Steelers, I think he'd be on TV, if anything, uh next year. But I think he'll be the head coach next year of the Steelers. And and to reiterate with Vrabel, I like, I really buy into what Rand Carthon said about their relationship being okay. I think the ownership maybe got involved there, right, and then put put her stamp on things of here's what we want. And just to close, I know it's a Tennessee show. The, the, to me, the Titans are in a position where they can be competitive next year. Um, I would be very interested to, to see if they go after an offensive coach like a Brian Johnson who can come in and, and kind of reinvigorate and maybe develop Will Levis more than Vrabel could. That's just my take. I, I know. I agree with that because it, it is an offensive league. I, mean, it, I know offense was down right now, but look at the quarterbacks in the AFC. They've got Levis. They've got to have an offensive-minded uh, coach are, there. Are coaches high on Will Levis generally, Jordan? Everyone really appreciates his talent. And listen, I like Will Levis because I got to know – I did a story on him going going to the draft last year, and I was, I was impressed. Everyone I talked to, whether it was Liam Cohen, his OC at Kentucky – uh, Wondell Robinson, who, who obviously the Giants now, was, everyone was very, very high on him. Um, teams, yeah, people are high on Will Levis because they see a lot of talent. I mean, I've had, I've heard the Justin Herbert comp. Uh, I, I, his arm is so explosive. People are high on Will Levis, yes. Jordan, always great to catch up with you, man. Great work as usual, and uh, we'll be following you on social for sure. Guys, anytime. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Yeah, Jordan Schultz, breaking the news there. and. He's got plenty of it uh, with uh, the coaching destination. He's got to go answer score. some texts. He's probably missed a few yeah, just on with yeah. us right now. He's got Disney some news. Stays on it. Stays on Follow it. Follow that guy wherever he is on social media because uh, he's breaking a lot of news and he's, he gets a lot of good info. We'll come back. Uh, Ryan Leaf joins us. We get his perspective on the coaches 
the, in all caps, coaches, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Hot my with that with our wills on. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. It's Hot Mike with Ud and Withrow here on Outkick.com. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can go each and every day. And uh, you can also check out uh, our YouTube page. Just search out Outkick and subscribe to the channel. You get all the content on demand live at Outkick.com. Ryan Leaf joins us as he does each and every week at this time. Uh, Digging that Kansas Jayhawks shirt Ryan's got going yeah, on today. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm guessing, a, I'm guessing a gift when you were uh, broadcasting a game with Kansas at some point. No, Speaking. actually, uh, actually, I don't get gear when I'm calling games because you want to be unbiased. You don't want to be, yeah. you know, buttering up the other one. But when I go speak to the teams, that's when I go. That's when I get all the swag. Right? They they, they fill go. me in for the, for the year because of it. Straight line pod is where you can go to to catch uh, Ryan Leaf uh, as well. Um, Maybe uh, maybe a loaded here. More impactful, Nick Saban or Bill Belichick? I, I, Nick Saban, by far, just because of the lives he touched that weren't who didn't go on to be NFL players. Not that just, Bill yeah. Belichick didn't, but his his pool size was much more limited to what Nick Saban's was. And I mean, you look at the the number of players that oh didn't go on and play in the NFL for Nick Saban who have had uh, their lives changed dramatically because of him and their ability to go to university and, and all of those things. And uh, Ryan made a in perspective. Saban had 15 more first round picks than losses at Alabama. That's, that's amazing. Crazy. That's nuts, man. It, well, I mean, it does help when you, when you recruit well and you got the, a lot of five stars coming to your school that tends to, it, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban was the first coach to reach out and ask me to come speak to his team. First one. No one had picked up that phone yet. Um, and I don't know if anybody ever would have. When was this? When the, this would have been six years ago. I think 2017. And I went in there and it changed my life. Because he was willing, he saw something. He saw my story as something that could be inspirational, motivational for, uh, and not just a "Hey, don't do this" type of conf- uh, you know confer- uh, conversation. Instead, he saw something that could be uh, useful. And when you have the greatest college coach of all time, have that. You be that's the best referral you can get. And because of that, I get bombarded every fall, and I pick the. The, the first five programs that reach out. And I've been doing that every year since. And it all started from, from coach Saban reaching out to me and, uh, um, you know, making me a part of the team it was right after that first year with Jalen hurts and, um, them getting beaten that national title game to Clemson. And what was the behind the scenes like with you and, and Saban? Cause it, it's not like you just showed up and went straight into the, the meeting room, right? No, he meets with every speaker he has. So Ellis Ponder, who is I call the 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 hand of the king there. He's his <laughs> operations guy, right? He just he knows everything, does everything, and he is he is uh Coach Saban's guy. You know, walks me up to the office and then he goes in and he kind of stands outside the door like a secret service agent, you know. <laughs> and usually and then I came walking out and and Ellis is just like looking at me with his big eyes. I'm like, what? He's like, What'd you guys talk about in there? And I go, well, I don't know. We just, he's like, usually they're only in there for about 15, 20 minutes. And his, and he's like, and, and I could hear him laughing all the way out. What'd you, what was so funny? And, uh, and I, you know, for the life of me, I can't figure out what was, was so funny, but him and I were just a couple of good old boys talking football and life. And um, we talked for like 45 minutes 
And I remember that so clearly. I remember him talking to me about Coach Price and how he was at LSU at the time when Coach Price got the job at Alabama and they were preparing to play. Um, there's a lot of stuff that went into to our conversation. But ultimately, uh, you know, we looked for the shared values on what could help his players. And the biggest thing I came away with from that conversation, and I don't think it comes across in his press conferences or in the media or anything like that was how much he cared about the kids and not just about the football aspect of things about what the opportunity was presented to these young men who may have come from, you know, very difficult backgrounds, poverty. He said, one of the biggest things was like the nutritional table, like the, the first time in their lives, they learned what they can and should eat that will benefit them and their wellness and long and longevity and things like that. Just some of the smallest things that he registered would be important to his players. And that came across more than anything that day was how much he loved those guys. I love hearing personal stories about Nick Saban like this and getting a better sense for his greatness. Speaking of his greatness, Ryan, when you look at what, what Alabama got with Nick Saban at that point in his career, where he had been multiple places in college, he had gone to the NFL, didn't work out, knew he wanted to get back in college. Hud and I discussed this earlier. How many programs could he have gone to and been Nick Saban and and done that? We put it at 15 to 20 of the top programs that if Nick Saban, if those programs could have hired Saban, they're winning multiple national titles and having that success. But what number would you put that at considering his greatness at Alabama and also knowing, you know, Alabama is a historically a very good program. It is historical, but it was in a lull. I mean, it, it had gone to a, a place where it hadn't been. So I think this is the the Nick Saban variable in all this. I don't think it would have mattered. I don't. I do think there had to have been some maybe some blue blood to it, but not necessarily. Not necessarily for that to be the case. I do think he could have gone to any of the bigger schools that we've talked about who have who had maybe had a bit of a decline, and we would have seen the same type of results because of who he is and how he coached. And I do think this goes a long way. As an incredible coach as he, as he was, he knew what coaches to bring in and not micromanage things, allow them to do the jobs that they were really good at. He helped re- rehabilitate a ton of coaches who a lot of people thought would never get other chances again, one of them being Lane Kiffin, who you know, quite possibly could be uh, up for this job here uh, before we know it. I thought he did a great job of that, of delegating. And a big thing is how to stay competitive with so much turnover. I mean, he had a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator almost every year. They kept figuring out ways to win championships and go to the national championship. So, I mean, I don't know if that showcases more of a leadership role than that and what he was able to do with so many different voices around and still win. Ryan, what about his ability to adapt? You know, he doesn't like NIL. You can tell. Kiffin speaks out against it as well for that matter. Uh, he's, he's benefiting from it. Saban would benefit from that, uh, just like he would benefit in recruiting or any of the other rules. He didn't like the, uh, you know, the bootleg you know, for, because of injuries, the change in offense, but he adapted to that uh, from, from the perspective of you got to do that based on what, what's winning, and he did. How many coaches have that ability that in them they, they can adapt instead of just the, the maybe, maybe it is arrogance, um, confidence that the way they're doing things has worked, so it's always going to work. I'm not sure many would do that, and he did it as the GOAT of college football coaching. That's what was really impressive because you're witnessing it uh, on the opposite of that spectrum with Dabo Sweeney. You yeah, know, yeah. Their, 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 their policy on, on not accepting transfers, we're going to raise them up from freshmen. The, the student athlete coming out of high school right now in their mind, they're not thinking, oh, if I go to this school, I'll be there for five years, and that's what I'm going to be. Like when I signed my letter of intent, I was making a conscious decision that I'm going to be a cougar. That's who I'm going to be the rest of my life until I'm dead. And now that's just not the case. You may play for, who knows, five different programs, five different teams when it's all said and done. And so um, I think if Nick Saban was 10 years younger, I don't believe we hear this news yesterday. I think the fact that he's 72 and he put together maybe his best coaching year of his career when a team that certainly wasn't the most talented team that he's had, especially in the SEC, won the title. 
in that conference and had a chance at the national championship, came down to the final play of the game. I think he probably goes, I don't like where this is going. If I was 10 years younger, I would figure out a way to be really good at it and navigate it. But he's just like, I I don't, I'm I don't have the energy to put forth the effort that it takes to be who I am anymore. And so I'm going to allow this to land at the feet of somebody else moving forward. And many of Miss Terry are going to go do some fishing and play golf and, and probably do some broadcasting. Is there, a, is there a coach that just comes to mind that is, has, has the makeup to be the heir to the, the throne of Alabama football? Uh, you know, Mike Norvell's tweeting things that makes it appear, though, he's going to stay in Tallahassee. But we're, we got there because Dan Lanning is staying in Eugene. Uh, sounds like Sarkeesian, uh, it just the, the, we haven't heard officially, but it sounds like Texas right now is set up to be very good next year. And he's got that job. What is, is there someone that just pops, top, pops to mind as the guy? Is it Kiffin? Is it someone else? Well, I think the, the first guy you, I think of is, is uh, who would have a shot of doing exactly what Nick Saban did because he was built in his mold and he's done it somewhere else is, is Kirby Smart. Now, Kirby Smart most likely is not going anywhere from his alma mater where he's won two national championships. Um, but if I'm Alabama, that's our first, that's my first call. I'm going to make him say no to me. You know, that's that's the guy that keeps the train on the tracks. I don't know if anybody wants to follow in the footsteps of Nick Saban. I mean, those are giant footsteps. But I will say this. If you're a head football coach in the collegiate level, you got a confidence in you where you think you can step into that, especially with the resources that are available to you that you feel like you could – go through this process. So there's a lot of names on that list. I knew Dan Lanning wasn't going to be one of them. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, maybe three years ago, probably would have been a, a guy on that list. I don't think that's a reality. Certainly, I don't think not necessarily because he wants it, but maybe because it's he, he didn't evolve like you talked about. There's a name, and I'm hearing it, yeah. and it's really not on anybody's radar. And I do think that this is a real possibility. You might hear something kind of start to crop up in the next couple of days, and that's Mike Loxley from the University of Maryland. Uh, he has done two tours with with Coach Saban. Uh, he went to New Mexico on uh, his first head coaching gig. It did not go well. He came back, rehabilitated, uh, was a star uh, coordinator there. He got the Maryland job, and I thought I think he's done a heck of a job in the Big Ten, where no one has has offered any any op support or anything really for Maryland uh, Terrapin football. So watch for that name in the next couple of days start to kind of creep into the, to the, the conversation. And I do think that coach Saban, along with the the athletic director, I believe they have a plan in place. And this was not just something that got sprung on him. Uh, this is something that they've had uh, a conversation about. So they have a plan in place. And I think this is something that moves rather quickly. Uh, and, and I know for a fact that that coach Saban would be all for uh, Mike Loxley as the next, next head coach for the university of Alabama. Yeah, and it's uh, you're right, Ryan. It's not a name a lot of people are talking about, but certainly falls under the category of former Saban assistant that has gone on and, and done some different things. So could make a lot of sense. When I say the name Bill Belichick, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? And do you think that he's got something left in the tank to go to another NFL team and have more success? I think the conversation around the coaching aspect of things, right? There were three coaches, three monumental coaches that were essentially – done with the coaching uh, world in in the mind of a lot of media members, you know, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and Nick Saban. Well, only one of those did it on his own terms. So if you're talking about two other individuals who were essentially forced out, I would suspect they both would want to continue to do it. Otherwise, they would have been the ones announcing, hey, this was great. I'm out, you know, no. So yeah, I, I think Bill Belichick certainly has something left in the tank. I'm, I do believe he wants to be the all-time winningest head coach uh, in the history of the NFL, and he's still got a, a bit of a ways to go. So, um, you know, I, I said this a while back when I when I really felt like he was probably on the way out. Uh, I think the Chargers are, are a great stop for him. He's got a quarterback there, and we all know how good he was when he had a quarterback uh, pulling the trigger. I know he was the greatest of all time and in, in Tom Brady, but that's – that allows you to do some things differently. And I think you, you, if you're Dean Spanos, you say, hey, would love to be the head coach here. We're going to bring in a very uh, uh, good um, general manager to run it. And that's a guy that I think they already have in-house. I think Daniel Jeremiah, I don't know if he would willing would be willing to take it, 
you know, because he does such a great job on TV, but he puts so much time and effort into scouting these guys. He knows them better than anybody. Who better than than him to be a general manager there? I think that might be a, a, a neat duo. I, I really do. Bill Belichick and, and Daniel Jeremiah in Los Angeles. Um, but Belichick, Belichick to me is, I think, one of, if not the greatest NFL coaches of all time, six Super Bowl championships. Um, but I know him a little differently. My wife and I went to the Miami Super Bowl, and we hadn't spent a lot of time with him, just when I played against him when I was a player. But we were staying in the, the hotel in Miami, and who was our neighbor was Bill Belichick. And so every day, like when we would get ready, we were about the same time of things. We'd, we'd walk out into the hallway, my wife and I, and uh, Coach Belichick would come out of his room and, you know, he'd, he'd walk to the, the elevator with us and ride down the elevator and we'd have our conversations. This was like three days in a row going to Meteor Row and everything like that. And it was just the conversations were not football generated. My wife was talking to him. He was talking about a summer place and how they go boating. And so, I mean, it was the reminder of the human being in some of the greatest accomplished people in the world, I think is a very important trait to have. And so um, those are, that's the thing I remember about him. It really is. Um, And if I wouldn't have had that experience, I don't know how I would have, you know, generalized the, the piece to what Bill Belichick is and the pedestal that he sat sits on and, and, you know, in, in, in judgment of whatever that may be. So that's, that's what I think of when I think of him. Time for one more. We won't have time to get to the games here, which is crazy given the significance of what we'll have in wildcard weekend. Um, just the, the impact of the two. Belichick leaving New England. He's got a coach, it appears. Saban's not. He's retiring. But doing that within 24 hours of, of one another and just uh, the legacies. But also, Ryan, the, I mean, I, I still don't – it has not sunk in yet. Like, I still don't believe it. I had to – I did not a double take, like 10 takes on the, the tweet from, from Chris Lowe when I saw that Saban was retiring. And now we hear that Belichick's out in New England. It's, it's weird that both are happening at the same time. I had, a, I had a source friend of mine tell me the Saban stuff about a week ago. And I'm usually pretty, you know, if, if, he, if he tells me, I'm, I, I bring it up on my show, I talk about it because I feel pretty confident when he says, I didn't believe him at all. And, and it, it's rare where I don't believe him. I mean, he's, he's, he hasn't led me astray at all, but I didn't buy him at all. I'm like, nah, I, no, I, I see coach Saban at, at a West Virginia uh, a charity event every summer dudes in, in mode. He always is. Nothing's changing. Not, he didn't look like anything changed this season and how excited it was. So that it, this surprised me. Um, the impact these two had were incredible and they're going to be missed greatly, but like anything, the NFL, for sure, it moves college football, the way it's going. It's going to move. People are always going to do that. And you learn pretty quickly, no matter who you are, uh, in reference to legacy and things like that, it's on to the next. Now, you'll be remembered as one of the greatest. But if you're not in the zeitgeist at the moment, it rolls and it moves. And that's where we're going to be a year from now. And the, the, the next team to step up, is it just the next coach at Bama or is there the opening to be the next team that up and up, what kind becomes. of domino effect yeah. does it start oh, with whoever they hire you know if it's well i, I think that's another thing I to think, watch right yeah i think that there's a that is a i mean if you're looking at a at, at a domino effect in terms of of the collegiate side of things i think that a lot of people wanted to start with the landing conversation that means the oregon job is open how many people would want that everybody wants that job why do people keep leaving it mario cristobal and mm. willie taggart were absolutely you know i think moronic to do it and so Dan Lanning gets it. There was no way he was ever going or leaving or going there. So uh, there could be a domino effect on the NFL side of things. I think the Mike Vrabel firing actually motivated this more quickly. I think that conversation around maybe I'll take a step away from the from the buying the groceries type of thing and just work on the cooking in New England got sidetracked then. I think Mike Vrabel's the next guy in New England. I really do. He's a winner. Four out of six years to the playoffs. One time as the one seed, another time at the AFC championship. Are you kidding me? It's always odd to see what ownership does in terms of looking at general managers versus coaches and why they sit or ultimately get swayed by the general manager who does nothing but buy the groceries. You know, you can buy all you want. The guy in the kitchen ain't cooking it up good. You, it, it's not going to matter. And Mike Rabel cooked it up just fine there in Nashville. So I, I suspect Mike Rabel will be the next head coach for the New England Patriots. I really do. A much better relationship. Disagreements can happen. Much better relationship with uh, Robinson prior to 
Carthon. Just you mentioned the cooks in the kitchen, and I think the where where the organization is headed, Vrabel has is is very specific. You know, he's he's competitive in his way. He knows the New England. He knows Pittsburgh. I don't know what Tomlin's going to do. That's on Tomlin. Uh, but also, like, people are saying, oh, it expedited what was going on in Seattle. I also wonder if it sticks to what could happen in Dallas or Philly. Again, uh, we have a lot to play out on the field. You know, Dallas loses. If Dallas loses this weekend to the Packers. It's over. Like, I mean, the McCarthy train is is done. So I'm in. Uh, I'm in Buffalo. I got the Steelers Bills Sunday morning. So. I take off for there tomorrow. How cold? Um, How cold is it there? It's gonna be chilly, and I'm sideline reporting it in this game, so I'm not, I won't be in the booth. So I, I gotta I gotta strap on that Montana attitude, and put a put a beanie on, and some long underwear, and and uh, and get get moving. Do you have a temperature right now? I'm looking that up right I now. I think it's a, I think it's a high like 36, but the wind's blowing, and yeah, it's the day that's... after on Saturday. It's supposed to snow, so I'm saying probably wind chill, maybe mid 15, mid 15 or something like that. I was on the sideline in Kansas City at four degrees, but it feels like temperature. I don't know what it was. But you know and... what? Ryan was built for this. No, oh, yeah, that's what he said. He was. He he's his upbringing. He was built for this. Uh, He'll be fine. Tua was not. I was, I was born in an igloo. I was, you know, <laughs> exactly. wrapped wrapped in ice. Tua you know, was ice. Not. You know, ice uh, uh, rags, the ones that you dump on your head at at at, at camp. Oh yeah, yeah. the the cool, yeah the the cooling the cool, rags. cold uh, towels. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Ryan, thanks so much, man. Great perspective today and background. We really appreciate it. You bet, boys. Have a wonderful Wild Card weekend. It's the two best weekends of football over the next two weeks. Wild Card weekend and divisional weekend. Can't wait. Let's go. Playoff football is here. Thanks, yeah, Ryan. I'm with you. Ryan Leaf there. Uh, Feels like 15 pod. is a spring day for Ryan. That's what he's saying. Yeah, it's nothing it's for summer. him. It's summer. It's summer. That's right. No sleeves. No sleeve weather. Chad, busy show today. Yes. Look at the time. Lots of news. I'm sure there'll be more breaking news tomorrow by the time we come on. Uh, the How about what he said about Mike Loxley? It pretty, uh, pretty strong name, I thought about, that. But, I mean, if you think of connections to, to Tuscaloosa, and yeah. the, I mean, there's not many that just are obvious. Uh, because those that are obvious or would have been are in spots where they're in a good place or it's just not uh, like Dabo or it's just it doesn't make sense now. Do you know what Loxley does that Alabama fans will love? He beats Auburn because he just beat the hell out of them in the Music City Bowl <laughs> with a backup quarterback yes. at Maryland. That's that's one selling point to the fan base if it's Mike Loxley. The fan base uh, would also, uh, uh, again, uh, you mentioned Hugh, Fre- Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze didn't even work on that offensive game plan against Mike Loxley. He did not. He was well, too busy. A week out. Too, too busy, busy hitting that transfer portal, recruiting, working out NIL deals. And if Kiffin's involved, think about who could join Kiffin in Tuscaloosa, the talent-wise, because you have the portal open up for them. It's going to be fun to follow. So waiting on you know, it's been case, awfully but... silent, Dabo Sweeney. During all this, a lot of people making proclamations about staying put and, or hey, excited about the future and not hearing anything from Dabo. Harbaugh has also been silent. Well, that's more expected because we know he's waiting to feel out the waters of the NFL. Still, a lot of names have been listed. Harbaugh's still connected to them. They could chat with him. He hasn't signed that contract yet that we know about. No. Back at it tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we'll have more news. Oh, we will. We will. Jam packs, 4 o'clock Eastern, our start time, live at outkick.com slash watch. Join us there. Hit us up on social in the meantime.